My inheritance in the kingdom of God is amazing. More than any bank could hold for me here on this earth. That's where Jesus said, he says, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Where's your heart? Where's your treasure? Here or there? We're preparing for the future. When we go to be with the Lord. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Thanks for joining us as we continue to explore the far-reaching impact of God's compassion. Considering the outward appearances that might often influence your treatment of others, you'll be shown how to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance instead. Stay with us for the next half hour to see how the Lord's love can overflow from your life to bless others regardless of looks, status, or wealth. Join us as Raul Reese begins now in James chapter 2. And as James begins in chapter 2, if you have your Bible, let us begin and review chapter 2, verse 1 again. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly or the church or the synagogue, a man with a gold ring or with gold rings, and really nice pants, and they used to use garments in that time, real flashy. And there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes. He's putting this in a situation where I told you last week when the rich people would come into the church, the men would have rings on every finger except the middle finger. And they could be uh, real flashy. And their clothes was outstanding. So when they came into the church, James noticed that when the rich people came in, they were all getting good seats in the church. But the poor people would come and say, now you wait here until we find a seat for you. And most of the time they would sit him in the rear, in the back. Because there have been places that I have been to where I have been embarrassed for the church. The way they treat people like that in the streets. And yet it's really important that if we all call ourselves believers or Christians, then where is the true love of Christ in our hearts? To really care for the poor and the needy. Look what else he says there. Verse 2. He says, For if there should come into your assembly a man with a gold rings and really fine dress, and they shall also come in a poor man with filthy clothes. And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, Hey, you sit here in this good place. And say to the poor man, You go stand over there or sit here at my footstool. He says, Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Surely we have. Shame on us for doing that. We should never do that. We should never become respecter of persons with any one person, rich or poor. But we should treat them all the same. He goes on and he says in verse 4, he says, You have not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. Listen, my beloved brethren. 
Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? Isn't that beautiful? Imagine how important that is when we came to Jesus Christ and we repented of our sins and we came to a place where we know we needed God in our lives. Because without him I would perish. And even though I was in the world and the world was really not good to me, but the world became evil to my life and the actual the world tried to kill me. But then Jesus Christ opened that door for me to be able to come through that door and be able to give my life to him. And he took my life and he restored my life. And then I become now, even though I may not have millions in the bank, I become rich in faith. Why? Because my faith and trust is in Jesus Christ and I am an heir of God. My inheritance in the kingdom of God is amazing. Amazing. More than any bank could hold for me here on this earth. That's where Jesus said, he says, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Where's your heart? Where's your treasure? Here or there? We're preparing for the future. When we go to be with the Lord. Again, notice what he says. Listen, Christians, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? And heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. But you... Have dishonored the poor men. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts. Verse 7, he says, do they not blossom the noble name which you are called by? He says, when people hear that, what do they do? They blossom the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus gets the blame and Jesus gets blasphemed. Think of all the people that have blossomed the name of our God. By doing what these people were doing. Taking advantage of the poor in their court systems and lawsuits. And yet James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, says in verse 8, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, what is it? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. What's the royal law? Love. Loving my brother as myself. Two commandments Jesus gave. To love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Two commandments. And if we can't keep the actual covenant or the actual law of love, then how can we say we're Christians? How can we say we believe in God? Who's going to really believe us when the love of God is not extended to any person? No wonder in John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but come to what? To repentance. To come to repentance. God loves us so much that He should have wiped us out. He should have got rid of us. But look what He did in each one of our lives as we sit here tonight. Every one of us has our own testimony. And yet God was patient. With each one of us. And yet somehow James saw. How these poor people were being taken advantage of. And had the oppression of the rich against the poor. 
And yet he says, don't you guys read the Bible? You're supposed to be Christians. And what does the Bible say? To love your neighbor as yourself. That's one of the commandments. And yet they were hating their neighbors. And they were hating the people in the church. That's not true Christianity. That's hypocrisy. That's being a phony. That's not being a real person. Then he goes on to say this, which is just amazing here. He says again in verse 9. He says, but if you show partiality, you commit sin. Oh, look, look what he says again. He says, if you're going to be a partial person, shame on you. You're living, what? That's a sin to show partiality. To be a respecter of persons is a sin against God. To sin against God. And what does he say? Notice. And are convicted by the law. Notice, the law as a transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Notice what he says here. One miss and you missed it all. One sin. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So a transgressor is one that willfully transgress the law of God. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. But you say, forget you, God. I'm going to do it anyways. Willfully doing it after the Holy Spirit convicts you. That's transgression. Then he says this. Verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. He's speaking again of the rich. They were not merciful, but they were condemning people. What does it profit, my brethren? Speaking to Christians again. If someone says that he has faith, but he has no works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, as one you say to them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? I mean, he says, if you call yourself a Christian and you say you have faith and you see someone on the street without a blanket, without food, without water, do you do what the Samaritans said? You walk to the other side and you just keep walking along and forget about them? God says you're guilty. You're guilty. Where is the love of Christ to help that person when he or she is in need? Where is the real faith in your life? When you say, I believe in Jesus Christ and he's my personal Lord and Savior, where is your faith? If there's no works, then there's no true faith. And we're not saved by works. But Paul said the same thing James said. True faith brings good works. Good works. Why? Because of our conscience. We get convicted when we see people in need. Or there's a situation or an issue. We take care of it as Christians. Because of the Holy Spirit that is in us. He speaks to us. We can't excuse it. And we can't just put it under the carpet. It's there. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Call us anytime at 800-634-9165 or visit somebodylovesyou.com for more encouragement in your walk with the Lord.
Later on, we'll offer you a resource that will deepen your faith and ground your heart in God's love. Let's continue with more now from Raul Reese. Look what else he says. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and once you say to them, depart in peace and be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Does also faith by itself? It does not have works and it's dead. Notice that. Your faith is of no value. It's dead. There's nothing in there. You're not really showing the fruits of a Christian. That you really are caring and loving and merciful and gentle and kind, as the Bible says. And then look what he says. This is so beautiful. In verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works Do you believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? He's trying to make a point. That if you really, truly do not have a true faith in Jesus Christ, you will never have good works in your life. There's no possible way. You'll never demonstrate it. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, he gives an illustration in a moment about Abraham. And it's really important that when we really think about what God is saying here through James, his stepbrother, that here James is proclaiming and declaring that when you come to Jesus Christ, something really happens in your life. The Holy Spirit not only gives you what we call regeneration, you become regenerated by the Holy Spirit. The scales fall off. The ears begin to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Over a period of time as you're reading and praying and getting hooked up to the Lord, all of a sudden your whole view on the world begins to change. Your friendships begin to change. Your desires begin to change. And then all of a sudden you find yourself looking at the oppression of the poor and the rich, like he said here, and other issues that are there in the church. And you begin to say, you know what, people are not fair, and we have to be fair as Christians and as children of the light. Otherwise, we're in sin. It's really important that we understand that no respect for persons in the church. And if we really, truly say that we love the Lord Jesus Christ and He's our Lord and Savior, then we need to be sensitive to one another and to the needs of the poor. Look what he says. Verse 21. He says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Can you imagine what that must have been like? In the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis, all of a sudden, Abraham is at home And Abraham is already over 100 years old. His son's about 33 years old. He wakes him up in the morning. He says to his son, son, pack up. Get ready. Goes over, wakes up his servants and says, you guys get the donkeys. Give me some wood. Give me a big knife. And bring some things for the fire. And we're going to Mount Moriah, a three-day journey. God has told me to go. He doesn't even tell his wife. And they get up in the morning, and they're going three-day journey. And all of a sudden, three-day journey, they're coming next to Mount Moriah. And you can see it in the distance. And they set camp. And Abraham says to his servants, you guys, you guys wait here. Make camp. 
But me and the lad, we're going to go up there and we'll be back again. What does Abraham do? He speaks words of faith. Abraham is thinking, I'm going to take my son up there and my son is going to come back with me. And yet he did not know yet what God was going to ask him. He already knew in his heart. Because he told him, get the wood, get the knife. And as they're walking up, as Isaac has the wood in his shoulder, and Abraham has a big old knife, and they're walking up to Mount Moriah, all of a sudden they come to the top, and Isaac says, Father, the wood, the knife, but where is the sacrifice? And in verse 8 of chapter 22, Abraham says this prophetically, 2,000 years later, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Speaking of Jesus, that he would become the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Can you imagine what it must have been like? For the first time in the Bible, God is asking for a human sacrifice. And God tells Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, the one of promise, and I want you to kill him for me. And as Abraham is in that three-day journey, imagine what was going through his mind. I know what it would be like for me to kill one of my sons. I couldn't do it. I love them too much. And as Abraham is riding on that donkey and getting to Mount Moriah, as he sees Mount Moriah, he's thinking, oh no, we're getting close and I have to sacrifice my son. And when they get up to the top of Mount Moriah, his son could actually beat him up and even kill his own dad. He's 33 years old. He's stronger than Abraham. Abraham's an old man. And yet what does the son do? He submits to his father. What a beautiful picture we have here of Abraham becoming the type of God the Father, Isaac becoming the type of God the Son, Jesus Christ. The carrying of the wood is a sign of the cross of Jesus Christ. Think about that. And then Abraham saying, God will provide himself a lamb. And then all of a sudden, they turn around and the angel says, as Abraham ties up his son and lays him on the altar, and we see Isaac submitting himself to the father, even as Jesus submitted himself to the father. And he takes up the knife and he raises it up to cut his throat. And the angel says, what? Abraham, Abraham, don't do it. Jesus spoke out. I've seen your heart, that you really love me, and you're obedient to what I call you to do. And then they looked to the right, and what was there? A ram caught in the thickets to be sacrificed. God provided for the sacrifice. God has provided himself for you, for me. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus, the Lamb of God. When Jesus Christ came into this world and knowing that people were going to hate him, in the last three and a half years of his life, as he walked around and he preached and he taught and he healed, and then coming to Jerusalem on that last week when he wrote in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, and 17, And begins to tell them that he's going to depart, but he's not going to leave them alone. But he's going to send the Holy Spirit to them. And then all of a sudden, as Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, and the devil comes and and begins to torment him. And as Jesus is praying, and the disciples are sleeping, 
and blood begins to pour out of his body. And Jesus says, Father, if you can, let this cup pass from me. If I don't have to go to the cross, I don't want to go, but thy will be done. And he took the cup for himself. He submitted himself unto death. And when they came to the garden, 600 men with torches and actually swords, and Judas was leading the pack. And then what happened? Peter got up with the sword, remember, and he took Malachi's ear right off. And Jesus went over and picked it up and put it back on his head. And then they all fled and left Jesus alone. And Jesus adjusted to them, tonight, when the actual rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. He said, I would never do that, Lord. And Peter denied him three times. They asked him, do you know this man? I do not know him. Do you know him? I do not know him. And the third time in the court, as Jesus was standing there, and they had beat him up, the third time when the actual denial came, Jesus turned around to look at Peter, and Peter looked at him, and the Bible says Peter ran out and wept bitterly before the Lord. Why? Because we've all, all denied the Lord at one time or other. We've denied him. With all of our hearts, and yet he's forgiven us. He's forgiven us and cleansed us and washed us because he loves us so much. That's why this beautiful book of James is so amazing. That as we begin to see here once again, as he says, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You can see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works? Notice, when she received the messengers and sent them all out another way. Remember what happened to the city of Jericho? The children of Israel came in there and they spied out the land. And when the people in the city of Jericho found out, she took the men up into the attic and hit them there. And they said, when we come back, we're going to protect you and your family. All you have to do is actually hang a little red cord out of your window. And when we come to destroy Jericho and we walk around seven times, the walls are going to come down and the city is going to be totally devastated except you and your family. Because you have believed by faith. By faith. And whenever we believe by faith, we've never seen God, then God honors that. He honors my relationship with him as he honored Rahab and he honored Abraham and so many others in the word of God. He goes on and says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, notice, so faith without works is dead also. So what does he mean? True faith Brings true works. No faith, no works. It's all up to us to give our lives and hearts fully and completely by obedience to Jesus Christ. And then he'll use my life. We hope today's teaching has challenged you to take a deep, personal look at how heavily your interactions with others are influenced by their outward appearances. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. 
To review today's lesson, call 800-634-9165 and we'll send you a complete copy for a donation of $5 or more. When you make your request, ask for Roll's teaching from James chapter 2. We'd also like to tell you about a resource that will inspire you to bless those around you with the Lord's kindness and love. Titled Understanding God's Compassion, Rawls' four-chapter booklet celebrates the salvation, healing, and provision we can all experience through Christ. Don't wait to order this encouraging resource at a value rate. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 to purchase Rawls' book titled Understanding God's Compassion. We'll send your copy for a gift of just $5 plus shipping and handling. That number again is 800-634-9165. Our mailing address, if you'd like to order by writing us, is Somebody Loves You Radio, Post Office Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We encourage you to check out our many free Somebody Loves You resources. Rawls' YouTube program airs every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific. On that program, he addresses current issues and events going on from a biblical perspective. To get a link to his YouTube channel, simply visit our website, somebodylovesyou.com. Whether you're a daily commuter or you're in the home environment, the Somebody Loves You radio podcast is a great way to listen to these teaching programs on your schedule. It's also a convenient way to hear a particular series from beginning to end. Check out our podcast when you visit Spotify or iTunes and start listening today. This ministry is made possible because of your continued prayers and financial support. Thank you for partnering with us to keep these programs on the air. And of course, every gift you give is tax deductible. Next time, we'll continue this series centered on the Lord's great love and mercy. Raul will show us the essential truth of abiding with God in daily communion. Tune in with us to see that the more time you spend with the Lord, the more steadfast and fruitful you'll be. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.